to break down the barriers. I'm not joking. Within 24 hours, that machine near the table will generate waves acting on unrecognized sense organs that exist in us as atrophied or rudimentary vestiges. Those waves will open up to us many vistas unknown to man and several unknown to anything we consider organic life. We shall see that at which the dogs howl in the dark, and that at which cats prick up their ears after midnight. We shall see these things, and other things which no breathing creature has yet seen. We shall overleap time, space, and dimensions, and without bodily motion, peer to the bottom of creation. When Tillinghast said these things, I remonstrated for I knew him well enough to be frightened rather than amused. But he was a fanatic, and drove me from the house. Now he was no less a fanatic, but his desire to speak had conquered his resentment, and he had written to me imperatively, in a hand I could scarcely recognize. As I entered the abode of the friend so suddenly metamorphosed to a shivering gargoyle, I became infected with the terror which seemed stalking in all the shadows. The words and beliefs expressed ten weeks before seemed bodied forth in the darkness beyond the small circle of candlelight, and I sickened at the hollow, altered voice of my host. I wished the servants were about, and I did not like it when he said they had all left three days previously. It seemed strange that old Gregory, at least, should desert his master without telling as tried a friend as I. It was he who had given me all the information I had of Tillinghurst after I was repulsed in rage. Yet I soon subordinated all my fears to my growing curiosity and fascination. Just what Crawford Tillinghurst now wished of me I could only guess, but that he had some stupendous secret or discovery to impart I could not doubt. Before, I had protested into his unnatural pryings into the unthinkable. Now that he had evidently succeeded to some degree, I almost shared his spirit, terrible though the cost of victory appeared. Up through the dark emptiness of the house, I followed the bobbing candle in the hand of this shaking parody on man. The electricity seemed to be turned off, and when I asked my guide, he said it was for a definite reason. It would be too much. I would not dare, he continued to mutter. I especially noted his new habit of muttering, for it was not like him to talk to himself. We entered the laboratory in the attic, and I observed that detestable electrical machine, glowing with a sickly, sinister, violet luminosity. It was connected with a powerful chemical battery, but seemed to be receiving no current for I recalled that in its experimental stage it had spluttered and purred when in action. In reply to my question, Tillinghouse mumbled that this permanent glow was not electrical in any sense that I could understand. He now seated me near the machine, so that it was on my right, and turned a switch somewhere below the crowning cluster of glass bulbs. The usual sputtering began, turned to a whine, and terminated in a drone so soft as to suggest a return to silence. Meanwhile, the luminosity increased, waned again, 
then assumed a pale outre colour, or blend of colours, which I could neither place nor describe. Tillinghurst had been watching me, and noted my puzzled expression. Do you know what this is? he whispered. That is ultraviolet. He chuckled oddly at my surprise. You thought ultraviolet was invisible, and so it is. But you can see that, and many other invisible things now. Listen to me. The waves from that thing are waking a thousand sleeping senses in us. Senses which we inherit from eons of evolution, from the state of detached electrons to the state of organic humanity. I have seen the truth, and I intend to show it to you. Do you wonder how it will seem? I will tell you. Here Tillinghurst seated himself directly.